And that tune can only mean one thing. On the Outside is back for another week. By popular demand, Marcus Taylor with you. Harry Vanderwood with me as well. Popular demand indeed, Taz. I had at least three people during the week ask me when the next pod was coming out. Well, how um, are Mr. and Mrs. Vanderwood going? They're, <laughs> they're well. They, I couldn't tell them though because, you know, the editing is a little bit inconsistent sometimes. So couldn't really? tell exactly when it came out. But you'll be on to that this week, no doubt at all. Well, thank you, Vanders. Yeah, thanks for uh, for uh, throwing me under the bus earlier. That's the sort of uh, energy we like to come with here on uh, on the outside. And just just quickly, uh, just to recap what we actually do, we're just we're taking a look at the sports stories of the week, aren't we, Vanders? Yes, we are. We're trying to get outside and see what's going on the inside and and stay well clear of any trouble whatsoever. Talking about trouble tales, cricketers cricketers have been in trouble this week. A few different sorts of trouble. But let's start uh, with the IPL in India. Um, Huss has COVID. What's what's going on? Yeah, it, it, I'm surprised that that, that is a a key takeaway. I thought a lot more people would care if Mike Hussey got COVID. Yes, yeah, are you is. surprised that not more people care? Oh, he's the favourite son. I thought the government would instantly reverse oh, the flight plan, uh, the flight ban, and get Huss home. Get Huss home. That should be the hashtag. But no, it's a, it's been um, name it's of the show highlighted by uh, by Slats and, and uh, Skirmo, hasn't it? A battle royale of two of the biggest personalities in Australia. Yes. But, uh, which side are you on at the moment? Slats or ScoMo? Look, I, I don't really mind, to be honest. I, I just think it's funny to be potshotting. ScoMo's managed to stay out of it. But today, uh, Agriculture Minister David Littleproud sort of came in and got himself involved and told Slats to just grow up and stop being so immature. <laughs> so there are shots being fired at the moment. Oh, look, I, uh, and good on David Littleproud, uh, probably the first time I've ever said that name and probably the last for, uh, for getting involved. But uh, it's, it's one of those ones that I, I can see why uh, ScoMo and the, and the, uh, and the government are, are trying to act this way. Because you, if, you, if you go really strong against somebody that's publicly known, so you say those rich cricketers, uh-uh, they went there, they made their own choice and you won't be allowed back. We're going to make a public example of them. So... People don't try and, you know, jet off to the States in the next month or anything like that. I get that logic. The problem is it's really, really, really hard to turn around and say, oh, by the way, yeah, we're just going to leave you in that. Um, see where all those, you know, you know, when you watch on the news and there's all those people dying, you just stay there. All right. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah you do that. Look, I think, yeah, I think that's a, a good point. But also the fact that um, slats, just jetted off to the Maldives to bide his time, I thought was uh, definitely different to a lot of the Australians and uh, in India and the Indian people that, that can't just jet off to the Maldives and, and wait it out. So, uh, look, I think Slats has a point, but he's not necessarily making it that well because he's luckily, lucky enough to be able to to head somewhere and, and just sort of wait it out. But it seems like Tales Cricket Australia... Um, aren't sort of asking for special treatment. And in fact, they're trying to, to move the, the Australians over there, you know, Ricky Ponting, Pat Cummins, all of, all of above. I think there's about how many over there are there? Uh, my understanding was it was 30, but I yeah. don't know. It was, no, that so sounds right. I think it was 14 players originally. Then you add in the, the staff and then obviously the media and all that sort of stuff. I think it was in the mid thirties, but I could be wrong on that. Yeah, so I understand they're trying to to move them either to the Maldives or to Sri Lanka um, to await when the... Which one would you choose? Well, I guess, you know, anything with a resort, I'd be all right with, a little pina colada. Um, but yes, yeah, so before they can, you know, the travel ban ends and they can hopefully come home and quarantine. 
And just, just quickly before we leave this one, do you, so gut reaction, and we're obviously cricket fans, so we're, we're a lot more sympathetic to, to the cricketers. What do you think Australia's gut reaction has been to this? Um, interesting. I don't think Australia's gut reaction, I think initially was uh, serves them right sort of thing for the cricketers. But I think now it might've softened a little bit. There seems to be a lot of, uh, a lot of community groups. Um, even, you know, Andrew Bolt was saying that the travel ban was, was oh. racist, which is, oh. I mean, oh. that's strong, strong from Bolte. Uh, famously not a fan of the show. So I, I think attitudes are softening. And Cricket Australia have obviously made it very, very well known that they're not asking for special treatment. Uh, they're just trying to help the players um, and help the staff get be somewhere safe. Unfortunately, Vanders, or fortunately, depending on whether or not you name Shane Warne, this wasn't the only cricket story that occurred this week. Did you see this one yesterday? Stuart McGill, did you see this story? I, I did see, I saw the headlines of it and I got to be honest, I, I've looked into it a little bit and whatever the story is, it just doesn't seem to bode well for Stuart McGill. There's some whiskers all over this everywhere. It's as if 10 cats are in the room. There is something going on in this one. It is, and look, you don't want to obviously, you know, doubt Stuart's story or the public story that's come out. But if, what a, I, I just... So a quick recap for people that, that haven't seen. So the story is that Stuart McGill was kidnapped, taken 60 kilometres from wherever he was in, uh, in Sydney, uh, held at gunpoint and assaulted, and then dropped off somewhere another 40 k's away, hid out in a motel for six days, then went to the police, and the police have just, have just arrested four people, uh, one of which is the brother of his uh, his ex-partner-in-law, which, and his ex-partner, just to further complicate things, is it correct that she owns the restaurant that he manages, as that, that, he manages? Yeah, well, that's it, but also they've come out today and said that they're in fact together. They're not ex-partners and they're both still very right. afraid for, for their life. So this mixed with some other uh, sort of Stu McGill issues over the last mm. few years, it just doesn't read well. And, and the police have said, you know, there was not a no money issue that owed money. It wasn't, it was just a plain and simple kidnapping. Well, I, I struggle to see that. Uh, it doesn't, it just doesn't look good, does it? It doesn't look good at all. I mean, that is a rough family Christmas, isn't it? Can you imagine sitting down? Stuart, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, you know, the partner's there. Oh, what's your brother been up to? Well, he's currently doing 18 months for your kidnapping. It's a rough family Christmas, but you're right. The hairiness comes to me, and this is what I don't understand. Stuart McGill, you know, I'm, I'm sure is doing, doing quite nicely for himself, but he manages the restaurant. Surely you'd go after the person that owns the restaurant, or at the very least, you'd be trying to extort her for money. She's got the cash. He doesn't. Surely you'd be trying to get the money out of her. I don't understand how kidnapping works. No, we don't hear about it too often uh, in Australia, <laughs> thank goodness, but, yeah, certainly... A strange one, and I'm sure there's a little bit to play out there um, as we learn more about it.
let's uh, let's straighten up and have a bit of a look at um, some of the uh, the footy news because our people haven't got enough footy news so far uh, on the pod. Uh, what's uh, what footy news has caught your eye so far this week? Taz, I wanted to talk AFLW to you. I wanted to chat about Taylor Harris. Taylor Harris has been in the news this week. Uh, a bit of contract chat. Um, and How much is she asking for? She wants 150k next season. Uh, which uh, at the moment she's on roughly around 80 or 90 um, and 20 of that's sort of a playing salary and, and the rest is sort of other work she does around the club. So I'm not sure exactly what that is. Um, and to add to add a bit of fire or fuel to the fire, in fact, she's, um, she's come off of probably her worst season in the AFLW, um, but is considering um, taking up boxing again this year for which she has a seven and one record. Right. Okay. So let's just recap very quickly. So she wants, did you say $150,000? 150, yes. 150. And so just, just to be clear, this is not, so she doesn't just earn that for playing, does she? Well, there were, I mean, that's, that's what's got to be decided. She wants 150K. So I guess however they want to slice it at the end of the day, but that's what she wants in her bank account for the season. Well, the salary cap pre-COVID, I think was around five, it might've been just under five, $100,000. $100,000. I reckon that was in 2019. I'm not sure what it is now, but you wouldn't think it'd be going anywhere beyond that. Uh, and I think this is, this is the interesting, I think this is an interesting test case that can also apply to AFL, but this is, this is quite interesting because you mentioned her boxing there and I heard Eddie Maguire talk about it on Footy Classified last night, which was reported today. She's going for a world title soon. So you're essentially going to have the best boxer in the world, an elite female athlete playing in your competition. And that's what you're paying for. And this is, I think, where footy fans re- and indeed football players as well, both men and women, forget this all the time. You're not just paid for what you do on the field. You're paid for everything else. So AFL players are compensated for having to live a lifestyle where they're not allowed to go jet skiing or whatever it is that, that, uh, that Ollie Wines did. And they're compensated for having to put up with the media all the time and for that lifestyle. And the same applies here with it, with Taylor Harris. Yes, she's being compensated for a different thing, off-field promotion and for being, you know, a, a world champion in this sport. But it's not just about her on-field play. And I think this is what everyone forgets when they look at this. No, I think uh, on that, Taylor, the non-Victorian clubs have been sort of understanding this for a while. I mean, I use Sydney as an example. Um, I'm biased. But, you know, they've had players like, Plugger, Barry Hall, and obviously Lance Franklin, who you need to get people in Sydney interested. And that's what you do with that player rather than how they necessarily perform on the field. You need to get superstars to keep people interested. But with that salary cap, as you say, I don't think it's a Carlton problem as much as it's probably the AFL that need to be, if anyone can pay it, it's the AFL, which hasn't been done before. So would she be, would she receive special treatment? Uh, Well, that's what she would be getting. And is that what the AFL wants to be setting a precedent for? I think in AFLW, you should do it. I would be very, very interested if AFL players started to have a look at that and go, Hey, why can't we do that? Do you remember, do you remember Chris Judd, uh, remember there was that thing when he came to Carlton and he had that deal with Vizzy, um, the you know the cardboard manufacturer or whatever they did, and the AFL said, "Oh no, you can't do that. You can't get paid outside the salary cap for for you know whatever it is your little your little deals and all that sort of stuff." I wonder if AFL players 
any of them would look at at Taylor Harris and go, hang on, she's getting paid. She's able to double her cash. She's getting paid. I think the, the tier one salary is like $30,000 in, in AFLW. She's getting paid four times that. Why can't I? Why doesn't the AFL chip in for me? And that's what I think is going to be really interesting about this. But to, to put a bow on it, I, I have no problem with her getting the cash, no problem with her asking for it. But I think everyone involved has to be really, really clear. This isn't about her on-field performance. It's about what she brings to the competition. Well, I think it would be obvious it's not about her on-field performance just because of the fact that last year she was in the worst, worst mm-hmm. form of her career. Uh, apparently her teammates reportedly not happy with her last year. Um, she walked off the training park um, at least once. Uh, so there's obviously some, some things going on. Um, so yeah, I think you would need to make it clear to everyone, um, including, you know, her teammates at Carlton, that it's not an on-field, um, sort of payment. Fanders, uh, all this is impossible without our great friends at Straight Bat Single Malt Distillery, one of Tasmania's best whiskies, if not the best. Absolutely, Tails, and you can find Straight Bat Single Malt at straightbatsinglemalt.com. Now, Vanders, just before we move on to uh, Thursday Night Teams, which I know you're going to be very, very, very keen to talk about. This better be quick. A little bit of AFL news. Uh, Ned Guy, who, for him, he's probably had a rough six months. Like, Ned Guy has really, like, he doesn't want to leave his house. He has been really, really whacked from pillar to post for the last six months. Finally pulled the pin. Did you know his name until October last year? I, I didn't know his name and I knew it for a little bit when he was getting a lot of abuse from Collingwood fans for letting all their young stars that they'd put a lot of time into. Um, and then I forgot it again until he resigned, resigned today. Yeah, but, one that he's resigned. So what I find curious about his resignation is that I don't think we've heard from him yet. That as we speak, this is Thursday afternoon. I don't think we've heard from him yet. And also the period of time that uh, that he's there for, Vanders, is quite curious. Yeah, so it looks like he's continuing until after the mid-season draft uh, before he leaves, which is confusing because you think if he's falling on his sword or Colin would have asked him to leave, then you would get him out the door as soon as possible um, to show that you were... I guess it's it's one head that's already rolled that hopefully will keep the fans and, and the club happy. But uh, to keep it after that is a strange decision and maybe leads me to think that it's possibly not him falling on his sword, but maybe just a change for him. Yeah. I don't really know. I agree with you. I, 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 I could only countenance two possibilities at this time, because if, if you had axed him straight away, then that was a clear sign that uh, Collingwood was saying, you know, the reason we're in the situation we are is purely because of the decisions of that guy. And that sucks. And so we're getting rid of him. Bucks is staying. But the fact that they haven't, they, it tends to suggest to me that they don't think it's all his fault. They think it's partially Buck's fault. So the next person coming in isn't going to be able to do a hell of a lot in the draft anyway because they've just burnt it all going and getting Nick Dacos this year. So I, I thought it was it's probably the latter, that they're sitting there going, Nick Guy has to, uh, has to basically take the heat for this Dacos decision because the next person uh, needs some clear air to operate well, you know what I think Collingwood will be regretting now? Hang on. Do we have enough time for this on the pod? Or? Just a quick one. They will be regretting Eddie Maguire's 
horrendous press conference because if he was still at the club, they could have axed him at just before the end of the year, before he retired. And he could have been the scapegoat for what's been a pretty bad season so far. And we are no doubt in a rebuild at Collingwood. True. That's a very good point you make, Vanders. Uh, all right. Now, just before we, we do leave, an issue that is, is near and dear to your heart. And I don't think uh, throughout COVID, um, throughout the, the, the horrible 2020 that we had and into 2021, I don't think an issue has affected people. And I say people, I mean 26 million Australian minimum. minimum. I don't think an issue has affected people more than the axing of Thursday night teams. Uh, could you take us through, firstly, uh, what this meant to you, Thursday night teams and their absence? And secondly, uh, what, what actually happened to, uh, to bring them back? Well, look, as, as an avid super coach player, but any, any fan footy or, or, or fantasy football around AFL, Thursday night teams really just gave you security. You could look at the ins and outs. You could make decisions about your team, about your trades, what rookies you were getting in on a Thursday. And then you get an update on a Friday for those Sunday teams. And, and the AFL, they stole that. They stole that security, that peace of mind from the people. Um, but the people have spoken. It's a, it's a real lesson in, in people power. Yeah. And Thursday night teams are back, relieving so many people around around the country, around the world, pals. No, I agree. I agree. The uh, the outpouring of support for the reversal of this decision, which I, have they officially said they're going to reverse it? Has that officially come out? I'm not 100%. I feel like there was one of those leaks where they're like, oh, yeah, we were going to do it. And I'm not 100% sure if it's officially official yet. Oh, look, I don't think they have to. It's official. Did you see the poll on the... Uh, <laughs> AFL, AFL Facebook page. That was outstanding. What was it? Ninety-five to five. And I think the five. I think the five might have accidentally pressed the wrong button. That's <laughs> the biggest power we've ever had. It's huge. The people power, the moving power, and people are going to sleep a lot better forever. No, oh, I can imagine, and I can only think, you know, of um, the the situations perhaps over in uh, in Manchester at the moment where people have stormed the uh, stormed Old Trafford demanding that a billion dollar owner must must give up his his prize asset and compare it with the the move of the uh, the people in Australia who didn't really do a lot of storming but tweeted about it occasionally how much they wanted their uh, how much they wanted their uh, Thursday night teams back that sounds like it's a few text messages coming in. Just it's people wanting the Thursday night teams. They're exactly. Wondering. People are acting. If you do want the Thursday night teams back, then you can follow at HVDW7 on Twitter or get a hold of Tails on Twitter. Tails, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's, is it Marcus, it's Marcus underscore Taylor 16. I'm pretty sure it is. That, this makes me look real amateur, doesn't it? I don't know. Nobody ever tweets me. I don't know. Put you on the spot. <laughs> Right, just before we get out of here, have you got a jalapeno spicy hot take for me from uh, this week after last week's take? I believe you nearly... Did you nearly get it over the line? Well, yeah, so I wanted to review last week's takes. Now, mm. we have to decide what's fair here because I've tipped Tom Lynch to kick eight and Richmond win by 30 and Tom Lynch has kicked three, five oh. and Richmond have won by what? Nearly 30? So, I mean, you I'm not saying... There at one point. 
I'm not saying it's a win. I'm just saying pretty, pretty close. Well, we'll leave, we'll leave that one. We'll put a poll out to the listeners. And I imagine you'll get a, uh, a Thursday night team's result in my favour for that one. There's no way they're giving you that. And what, what, what did you, what did you oh, do? I, to I said Harry McKay would kick seven. Was it seven or nine? Yeah, it was seven. It was yeah, seven. Um, he kicked four. He had a good second half, but uh, no, he was never really threatening seven, unfortunately. So I will, I will begrudgingly give you a half point win uh, heading into this week. So have you got anything for this week? I do not. I've got nothing for this week. <laughs> <laughs> I well, need... Because I do have something. I think the showdown, uh, is this a prediction? I, a ruling here will be needed. Prison bars. That's what you're tipping for the showdown. Prison bars. They're not going to wear prison bars. But what I am predicting is that it is going to be less than 10 points, the result. And they're going to prove that this is the best rivalry in AFL football. But less than 10 points, cracking game, proving that it's the best rivalry in football. Yeah, all right. Adelaide to step up, do you think? Yeah, I believe they will. I think they will. Right. All right. Well, uh, my tip for the week is that this is not the last we hear of Stewie McGill. Nice. And there may be more to play out about, is he in a relationship? Is he not? Is he owed money? What's the brother coming for? So I think we're going to hear some more about that in the media. But I mean, not a great prediction for me because I'm not telling you exactly what's going to happen, but I think we will be having some more information on next week's pod. I look forward to it then, Vanders. Uh, We'll uh, see you next week. Have a good one.